they're not afraid to be strict. I recently spoke to the FCA and they were mentioning how in order to have a good regime, it has to be a strict one. So they're not afraid to be a strict regulator. So I think for them, they're just trying to make sure that they do their best job. And for them, that is making sure consumers are safe. Last April, the UK's then-Chancellor Rishi Sunak set out ambitions for the UK to become a global crypto hub. In this episode of reInvent, we take a look at what's happened to the now Prime Minister's plans over the last year. Joining me on this edition is Chamomile Shumba, a seasoned journalist with a focus on the intersection of finance and technology, currently serving as the UK regulatory reporter for Coindesk. She brings a wealth of knowledge and insights into the evolving landscape of crypto regulations in the UK, with her finger on the pulse of the latest developments, Calamile is uniquely positioned to provide an in-depth analysis of the UK's journey towards becoming a global crypto hub. Since this episode was recorded, we've seen the Winklevoss twins, owners of the Gemini Crypto Exchange, visit both the FCA and the Bank of England, lauding the forward-thinking engagement of the UK's regulators, as well as its tradition of thoughtful regulation. However, the debanking of legal crypto asset firms is an issue that's also once again been brought up in Parliament. So let's dive into this episode where Chamomile shares her insider's perspective on what's lying under the surface. Reinvent is brought to you by Millicent Labs, building the financial infrastructure of tomorrow, where the power of Web3 meets the simplicity of fiat. Learn more at millicent.io. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. A pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, lovely to, to chat. We've spoken a few times in the past as we're both involved in the crypto and digital asset scene here in the UK. Yeah. And you, more than most people, follow this very closely. But for those of our listeners who don't, can you tell us a little bit about how this all started? When did the UK decide that it wanted to be a global crypto hub? And what was that initial vision? So last year, April, Rishi Shunak, who was finance minister at the time, is now the prime minister, which is great for him, um, and John Glenn sort of set out the vision to make the UK a crypto hub. And they just said that they were going to bring out a whole lot of regulation to facilitate that. And since then, they've basically started that journey and more consultations have come out from the Financial Conduct Authority, the Bank of England, and themselves as well. They've launched a crypto consultation to sort of hear from the industry and other stakeholders, like what they want that to look like moving forward. And they've still continued to say they want the UK to be a crypto hub, even despite the collapse of FTX. We saw Andrew Griffith saying... Yeah, like we still want the UK's big crypto, but we know we need to have a balanced approach. So I think for the UK, it's about making this place a safe place for people to do business, as well as not being too strict to sort of stop business from growing when it comes to the crypto industry. Yeah, I think that's something fair that you pointed out there is that FTX has collapsed since then, April 2022. It was peak bull run. This was pre-Terra UST collapse. Everybody was getting caught up in the hype, I guess. You know, maybe Rishi Sunak got caught up in that as well. Uh, they announced that Her Majesty's Treasury was going to mint an NFT. Those plans have since been scrapped because there was maybe not enough demand. And I think that some people are starting to ask if the UK is cooling off on crypto. As you mentioned, there's a lot of consultations and that they want to strike a balance, which is important. But we do see that other areas like the UAE, Hong Kong, Europe with the Mika regulations are really pushing ahead. And is the UK risking falling behind? That's a really good question. They are saying a lot. They're saying they want to bring forward a lot. 
and they are moving ahead with that and they're trying to take it at their own pace to make sure that they have the best approach and they don't have to go back and like scrap things. They want to be thorough and I think that's that's good and I think sometimes being slow has its benefits so that you're not you know being incorrect and it gives you more time to consult with people but I think what the UK's dilemma is is that there might be an upcoming election. They haven't announced what the election date could be but essentially one will have to happen before 2025 so it could be next year. So that you know that being the sort of context it's hard to sort of imagine how that the conservative government will get everything out if they don't stay in government no one knows if they'll stay in government maybe they will and everything will be fine but if they don't i don't really know what will happen to all their plans so i think that's the kind of the political issue there is you know as much as their plan could be great who knows how well it'll be put through with political stuff hanging in the air yeah and I, I think that there is something to the thought that it's better to be right than it is to be first. But there's also the risk of the UK falling behind in financials markets. And the city today isn't the city that it was 20 years ago. And a lot of people saw post-Brexit digital assets and crypto being a new way for the UK to, to grab that kind of big bang, uh, markets deregulation, impetus that really made the city what it was in the 80s. And could you tell us a little bit about what's in the financial services and markets bill that aims mm -hmm. to capture some of that forward-looking, slightly aggressive action? Within the financial services and markets bill, they want to treat crypto as a regulated activity. So that means it will come under its financial services regulations and be overseen by the financial conduct authority as well, which means that in time, firms could even be authorized by the financial conduct authority and, you know, be a part of a, a more comprehensive regime because currently crypto firms are just able to register financial conduct authority under its anti-money laundering rules. So the overarching theme here is the UK wants to treat crypto in a similar way to how it treats financial services. Okay, two really interesting points that you just mentioned there. Um, one that currently you can register with the FCA. I think there have been 330 odd applications for registration and only 41 have been approved. And a lot of people in the industry complain that the regulations are too strict. Personally, I do think that the bar should be pretty high. We saw Celsius move out of the UK because they withdrew their application from the FCA and, you know, that probably saved some people some money. So that's probably a good thing is having a high bar. But we've also seen in the financial services markets bill that the treasury has the power to give a secondary directive to the agencies like the PRA and the FCA that they need to think about the UK's position in a competitive global financial sphere. What does that do for the FCA who want to protect consumers, but also have to make sure that the UK is competitive and can attract the best businesses across financial services and digital assets? Mm, so yeah, you're right. The financial services markets bill will give regulators more power, like the payment systems regulator as well, and the Bank of England, FCA. And I think for them, it's an opportunity to sort of step up and ensure that consumers are protected in this regime but of course they're also mindful and they've acknowledged it publicly that they're mindful of the UK government's ambition to make the UK a crypto hub and there's that innovation lens and I think 
from the conversations I've had with them, the conversations I've observed with, you know, talking to the Treasury Select Committee as well. It's quite clear that they are mindful of this, but um, I think they also want to be critical and they also want to be strict and they're not afraid to be strict. I recently spoke to the FCA and they were kind of mentioning how actually in order to have a good regime, it has to be a strict one. So they're not afraid to be a strict regulator. So I think for them, they're just trying to make sure that they do their best job. And for them, that is making sure consumers are safe. For crypto companies, on the other hand, that for them may seem a little bit intense. Yeah, I think so. And especially a lot of people in the, the crypto industry don't have a financial services background and so maybe didn't understand how high the bar for application would be in the first place. And I know that the FCA has released materials saying that they were surprised by how poor a lot of the applications that they received actually were compared to the normal standard that they get. But moving away from the regulators for a second, we're also seeing complaints from industry bodies like Crypto UK that crypto companies are being debanked, fully lawful legal crypto companies are being refused banking services, and also people are being restricted from buying crypto with their own money. Their banks are saying it's too high risk, and for your own protection, you can't spend your money how you see fit by buying crypto and digital assets. Do you think that that causes an additional difficulty to this ambition of becoming a global crypto hub? And what, if anything, can be done about it? That is a very good question. I would say that there's definitely an issue when it comes to banking and crypto companies have been like trying to access banking because most banks in the UK have sort of refused to facilitate that, to be a crypto bank. And I think, you know, the climate right now isn't really great for there to sort of be more positive discussion around banking. You know, we're currently in a financial, well, I, I don't know if it's, it was too soon to see we're in a financial crisis or we're currently in a financial crisis, but it seems like we're in a financial crisis. <laughs> like, from what's been going on in the economy, I know a lot of central banks are trying to be positive as well and hoping inflation's going to come down, but inflation has been, you know, pretty high for quite some time and central banks have had to keep putting rates up and we've seen, you know, banks collapse like Silvergate Bank and Silicon Valley Bank. So I think because of their affiliations with crypto as well, banks are probably even more cautious. And also because of the tone that we've been hearing recently from media, which is crypto is quite risky and a lot of people are losing their money. So there's not really much incentive for banks to sort of want to change their ways right now. So I think there's definitely there's an issue. What can be done about it? I think it's probably going to take some time for things to sort of settle down, for there to be more regulations put in place so that if banks do work with crypto companies, they at least have the right safeguards in place. Those safeguards will be put in place, hopefully, with the crypto regulations that are coming in the UK. Mm -hmm. I think that it's probably fair to say that crypto has become a dirty word, almost, and that most regulated companies prefer to use the term digital assets or, or digital currencies, etc., uh, and are shying away from the word crypto. And we've seen from a government body here in the UK, the Treasury Committee, not the Treasury itself, but the, the members of Parliament who are tasked with making sure that the Treasury behaves, have come out and said that crypto should be regulated as gambling rather than as a financial service. 
and not having a unified voice when you are looking for founders to move to the UK and set up businesses or even people in the UK to want to set up a digital asset business here rather than abroad. I think that that's probably quite difficult. And I wonder what can be done about that to keep everyone in line and, and have a unified vision for this digital asset industry. I'm not sure that there's an easy answer, but when you look at what's happening in the US with Coinbase being sued by the SEC, even though the SEC let them IPO uh, and Coinbase has you know, been talking to the UK and looking at setting up entities abroad, do you think that even though we've got what I'll call a lack of unified voice in the UK, it's still an attractive place to set up a crypto or digital asset business? I would say, I feel like the UK and the US are very different. And yes, they've had lawmakers saying two different things. We've got the APPG, which consists of lawmakers, the crypto one, saying we're great with this plan to you know, regulate crypto and the financial services. And then you've got the Treasury Select Committee saying treat like gambling, which no one saw coming. And I think the reason why is because the Treasury has been going along debating the financial services markets bill, adding its amendment to treat crypto as a regulated activity, which so far has been accepted. And though people have, you know, spoken up against crypto, it's still carried along. So there's been a very strong voice within the government already ushering regulation forward. We saw the financial promotions exemption for crypto companies be put through as well. The lawmakers largely approved that. So we're seeing that the Treasury's plans are going ahead and the Treasury Select Committee is a small group, so they're not necessarily large enough to obstruct the government's plan. It's not really enough for just a small group of people to to change the plans in government. So yeah, currently it seems like the UK is still moving forward with this agenda and it probably has a bit more clarity from where I'm standing in the US right now. I feel like a lot of people feel like they don't really know a path forward in the US right now with what's going on with Coinbase and Binance, which I feel like is different in the UK. Yeah, I think most places are a better place than the US in terms of where to start a crypto company at the moment. But I think that's that's a topic for another show, maybe. But uh, <laughs> it would be nice if we could welcome some of these companies like Coinbase who have tried to be regulated and have largely been doing the right thing into the UK. Here in the UK, we've got Archax, for example, registered with the FCA, doing things the right way. And, you know, more of those companies would be great to see. But you brought up the APPG, which is the all-parliamentary party group for crypto and digital assets, I believe it's called. That's chaired by Dr. Lisa Cameron. They are members of parliament and members of the House of Lords. They just came up with a recent report that they've been working on for a long time. Could you tell us some of the key recommendations that they made to the government? Yeah, sure. I'll do my best. <laughs> I mean, I think there were about 59 or 60 of them. We don't need to go through all of them. But, you know, two or three. Brain is in the financial promotions at the moment. But yeah, let me try and like rewind back to Monday. Well, if you want to go, let's 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 start with the FinProms then. Because it, something quite kind of interesting there is that in a way... The crypto shouldn't need permission from the FCA to do promotions because it's not regulated by the FCA. It's mm. 
you know, you have to register, but you're not really regulated. So I, I guess, why did they come out with this exemption at all? It's nice to give some clarity, but it is a bit of an interesting situation. So the exemption came up as a result of that, that people were quite afraid or felt that the promotions rules coming would basically act like a ban on crypto because it wouldn't enable companies to reach out to clients at all. So as a result, it just it would have meant that they would have not been able to operate. So a lot of people are lobbying, telling the government, look, we actually need to be able to approve our own ads. If we rely on other people, it's probably unlikely to happen. There may be a lot of legal costs. Convincing people to approve our ads may be difficult as well. So therefore, there may not actually be huge sort of supply of people that will actually approve these ads. So then the government announced, cool, we're going to do this exemption, which will enable crypto companies to actually approve their own ads in the interim, because currently you have to be an authorized firm to be able to approve your own ads. Crypto companies are not yet authorized, but the plan is for them to be eventually, once the financial services and markets board passes and FCA consults on what a new authorization regime will look like. But until then, this exemption, which will be coming into place in October when the FinPOM rules come for crypto, will essentially enable those crypto companies to approve their own ads in the meantime. So it is important and it's actually a sign of the government listening and it's a clear monitor of the crypto community's sort of capacity and ability to lobby the government and get things done because that was something that they really asked for and the government listened. Yeah, that's great. That's really promising to see. And I guess when you contrast that with the US where people like Circle and Coinbase are saying, can you tell us what the rules are? And the SEC is saying the rules are clear, even when the rules aren't that clear. Here in the UK, the industry said, hey, the rules aren't very clear. And the government said, you know, you're right and did something about it, which is pretty fantastic. Definitely a step in the right direction. And that's really good to see. Right. Let's rewind, I guess, all the way back in time to Monday and uh, talk about the APPG report. They did ask for the government to create a specific role around crypto and digital assets, which I found quite interesting. Yes, they did. I can confirm that they did. <laughs> um, the role is essentially just meant to help coordinate the different departments because everyone's saying we want to do crypto stuff and everyone needs to do crypto stuff. Well, the treasurer is saying you should also do crypto stuff and everyone knows they need to do crypto stuff. But I think they're saying we want at least a role for about a year that can help facilitate this change to ensure that it happens. And I don't know, this is just me saying it might also be that they want a bit of accountability to the government because mm -hmm. the government's been saying we're going to have specific crypto legislation put in place within a year. And people want that to happen as well because of the political stuff hanging that I mentioned. Yeah, definitely. So one quote that I like is people tend to overestimate how much progress you can make in two years and underestimate how much progress will be made in 10. So where do you think the UK will be next year? And where do you think the UK will be 10 years from now? Will the UK be a leading global crypto hub? In 10 years time, will we have actually passed the regulation that we're looking to pass within a year's time? In a year's time, will we be a crypto hub versus in, a in 10 years time? What will be well, I think in a year's time, will we have at least passed robust regulation in line with, with Mika, for example, within the next year? And 
Mm. I guess that will inform your view of where we'll be in 10 years time, maybe. That is a good question. I think, well, the financial services and markets bill was meant to pass by spring. It's towards its final stages. So I think they're definitely going to be able to get that through. And the financial services and markets bill will give regulators the powers that they need to set those crypto rules, regardless of what happens moving forward. And I think that's a good thing because it gives an indication that these regulators are still going to be consulting. They're still going to be thinking, what is what does the sector need? So in a year's time, you're probably going to still see regulators consulting, trying to hear from the industry what they need and working out how to strike that balance between, yes, getting innovation right and also being quite strict. In 10 years time, it is really hard to think about what could happen in 10 years time because so much has already happened in a, within a year <laughs> when it comes to the world, even with crypto. So I think what I can probably say confidently is I think we'll have a more mature sector in this country that's probably adapted a bit more to regulation that kind of knows what to expect. I think you'll have people coming to the regulators, to the FCA, feeling a bit more like prepared and knowing what to expect. I think there would have been more of like a sense of some people have been through the process and they could offer that wisdom and guidance to those who are trying to come in. So I think you're going to have a lot of players coming in a lot more prepared to handle the regulator and the regulator knowing a lot more about how best it wants to approach the industry and having more crypto specific roles in different sectors and in different ways within their departments. Yeah, I think that's fair. Do you think that the lines will be blurred between what we would right now call traditional finance and DeFi or crypto? And do you think it will just all be the same thing or will there still be two separate streams and will we still have the wild west of DeFi out there somewhere? To be honest, from where I'm sitting, I have the privilege of also covering some of the Chainlink news, which is interesting for me because I cover regulation, which is all this stuff sometimes going great and sometimes not really being clear and still progressing and in terms of addressing the industry and its woes, plus mostly its woes. <laughs> and then you have Chainlink, which is progressing in a very positive way in the sense that they're partnering with SWIFT and other banks and other institutions to enable them to test out using blockchain technology um, with the SWIFT messaging system because SWIFT is an international messaging system. So when I was talking to Sergin, he was basically explaining to me that like that could enable a lot more adoption. And what's interesting is it's basically saying the financial institutions are going to come together with the crypto world through blockchain technology. So I think, unfortunately for some people, I think it's going to look like a mash of both. <laughs> and it's going to be both leveraging one another to better the world's financial system. Because that's what it's meant to be about. Innovation is meant to be about taking things further, right? And helping us all grow together. And I think that's what's going to happen. It's not going to be one side is over there doing its thing and the other side is over there doing its thing. I think both sides are looking at each other and being like, you know what, actually looks, it looks pretty good over there as well. There's something that can learn from you. And they're trying to partner so that they can progress together because I think that's needed. I mm -hmm. think experience, time, 
learning from your environment, all of that stuff is important. And I think over time, both are going to continue to learn from each other and learn what each other has to offer. Yeah, that, I think that's really, really well said. And also, thank you for making the point that Swift is a messaging system and doesn't move money because I try to tell people that quite often. And they, they think that Swift moves money around the world. It doesn't. It moves messages. But what they're doing with Chainlink, which was recently announced, is really cool for a number of reasons. As you said, Chainlink isn't just an enterprise blockchain solution. They provide oracles to DeFi. They've got a token. And Swift, working with them, legitimizes all of those things, especially the other institutions that are working with Swift. It legitimizes, you know, a project can have a token and a project can work with DeFi and also work with the world's biggest financial players like Swift and Euroclear, etc. Mm -hmm. So that is super cool to see. And I know that in the summer 2022 trials that Swift and Chainlink did together, it was mostly about private blockchains. And in this new press release, it said that Swift saw a lot of industry appetite and interest in using public chains like Ethereum for settlement. And I think that's really cool as well. And I'm not 100% sure why the traditional financial industry wants to do that. It's something that I'm really curious to learn the motivations behind. But it definitely seems like we're headed, in my view, for a kind of web 2.5 world, where we take the best bits of crypto and DeFi and the best parts of traditional finance and hopefully find a happy medium that can serve everybody better. And I hope that we see a lot of movement in that direction starting here in the UK. And I think that we will. I think you, you raise a really good point. And I think from what I'm seeing and hearing, it sounds like a lot of banks want to improve the wholesale settlement side of things and to ensure that like their systems are more efficient is kind of what I'm seeing. So I feel like banks, they just feel like blockchain technology will help things to happen like a lot quicker and on the sort of legal side what's been really cool is like the law commission they looked into this electronic trade document bill the need for it and put it forward and essentially what that means is even on the trade side of things where they've been relying on only making deals through paper for so long which is crazy to me I'm like how was that happening for so long? And, and but, in a five trillion dollar industry where each transaction involves, you know, 15 parties and they've all got to send bits of paper to each other. It's nuts, right? Yeah, like crazy. But now because of the Law Commission's work, um, the, the Lords have started debating this bill. And, you know, most people aren't really saying anything is wrong with it. Most people are like, yeah, this is great. We need it because essentially it will enable even blockchain technology to be used to transport trade because it's secure. That's another benefit that the technology can offer. So like in so many different sectors, we're seeing people are starting to appreciate what blockchain technology could do. And it's exciting to see legislation actually be starting to be put in place that will enable that innovation to flourish. Definitely. And something that's cool on the trade finance note is I think 80 or 90% of global trade finance deals are done using British law or um, common law. So this really sets a precedent for the whole world to achieve massive cost, time, efficiency savings by embracing this technology. And I was in an event last night for a Google Web3 event and someone was talking about the decoupling of crypto and blockchain. And 
I'm not sure that that's correct because that decoupling was, you know, in 2015, everyone was talking about enterprise blockchains, et cetera, et cetera. But now it seems that firms, the you know, people telling Swift, we want to settle on public Ethereum or uh, Siemens issuing a bond on Polygon. It seems like a recoupling of blockchain and crypto in a way, which I think is quite an interesting place to be. I'll let you end on that note. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really trying to wrap it up there, but I mean, I guess it sounds like uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll cut it there. Is there anything else that that you want to say while you're here? Um, it's been great. It's been great chatting to you. Um, yeah, it's been really great speaking to you too. You're so knowledgeable about so many things, so it makes it easy. Well, <laughs> thanks so much. Um, I yeah, I really do appreciate your work. I think anyone who's listening should uh follow coindesk on, on linkedin and follow yourself on linkedin i'll drop the link in the comments and descriptions on all the podcasts because every time something happens in the uk regulation around digital assets and crypto you seem to write an article about it about two hours later so you don't have to go read the 59 point appg report you can get a summary from yourself and that's that's really helpful oh uh, no i'm glad to be of help it was really great speaking to you. Reinvent is brought to you by Millicent Labs, building the financial infrastructure of tomorrow, where the power of Web3 meets the simplicity of fiat. Learn more at millicent.io.